are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns here, as the good lady says, your team every day. Uh, guys, hope everybody enjoyed Wild Card Weekend. Uh, you know, like we told you, like we told you when we were covering the games. Uh, when we recorded that Friday night, it's a fun weekend, guys. I mean, you basically get you know you you know we get four pri- four primetime games, you know, back to back two each day. Nobody else is watching anything else, so it's always fun. Sit around. There's no other games. There's really no other distractions. Uh, some good, some bad. We're gonna break those down here. Uh, we're gonna start off tonight with the tight end assessment. Um, uh, you know, t- uh, Lockdown Browns here tonight brought to you by MyBookie.com, guys. Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Lockdown NFL Net. Anything you need. From the uh, NFL side of the Lockdown NFL Network, you can find by following those accounts, guys. Uh, f- five stars, ratings, and reviews over on iTunes are always appreciated. Um, like I said, tonight brought to you by MyBookie.com. Guys, I hope you took Pete's advice on your picks this weekend, and not mine, because you would have won four in a row. But joining here tonight, Pete Smith. We're going to get into the tight ends first here, guys, and then we'll do a little bit uh, on the action over the weekend. Pete, I'd say it's a position you really don't have too much of an issue with. It just from initial initial glance, it's it's not really it's not something you're going to spend a lot of time thinking on. Obviously, look when you have this much capital and you have these you know this amount of draft choices, any position is going to be on the board or any position is going to be in play. But walking away from the you know 2018 tight end position, I feel pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, the last month in particular, you saw what you wanted to see from David Njoku, a lot of growth. Um, Darren Fells is, you know, he's just a playmaker. Uh, you, you always count on him for for making free, those big free drinks things. for life. Free drinks for life uh, in Cleveland, baby. Free drinks for life. You caught that first one. And then you know, set the valve. There's just a ton of talent there, and it's more of, more questions than answers. So, um, it's it's you're in good shape, but but between just the nature of the NFL and this draft class in particular, it's one of those where you can never have enough uh, good options at tight end because there's just not, there's just not much in the way of players that can defend, you know, six, four plus 250 pound guys that can run. And that's, you know, the, you're seeing that payoff for the Browns and certainly Baker Mayfield seems pretty happy to see those type of guys on the field. Yeah, uh, and like Pete said, and guys, we're gonna we'll get on to this. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, as this, you know, as the offseason goes, when we get more and more in the draft, it, it, it is looking like a ridiculously stacked, loaded tight end class. Um, you have a whole bunch of David Ajoku and Seth the Valve types guys that are really athletic and can play the position very well. Um, I guess you know you start with the headliner, and I think the most impressive thing with David Ajoku. Look, I mean, the, the evolution as a receiver. More of that should have gone on his rookie year when he should have played more, but you know we won't get into that. But that obviously evolved. But Pete, over you know the last half of the year, it was he almost wasn't even coming off the field anymore, and it's because he finally had gotten enough confidence and showed well enough in his blocking game, a PFF grade of over eighty, I think, for the second half of the season. Obviously, which takes you know blocking is a huge part of that, but just really, really you know impressive year for the second second year tight end. Yeah, uh, look, this is what happens when you draft a kid who at the time of the draft was twenty. Um, you know, you're asking a player to play a position that's physically demanding in, in terms of both blocking and then the receiving part of it it's you know you're, you're they're never going to be an offensive lineman but you you know you sort of want them to block like one and then you want them to be a dominant receiver there's just a lot to ask um and you know when you take a kid that young it's not even clear if he's done growing uh and certainly the body's just going to naturally fill out to a certain point but you know this 
second half of this year, this last month in particular, you saw him grow up quite a bit. Uh, and if you're lucky enough that he basically picks up where he left off at the end of the year or, or he's even better, uh, then you've got potentially a, a star, certainly the best tight end in the division, uh, and somebody who can you know get to a Pro Bowl, can, can, can put himself in those type of conversations where when it's third down and seven yards – and you know your first instinct is well the ball's going to go to him and that's sort of where where it goes i mean there's some inconsistency with Najoku he's he's certainly not perfect uh, you know hopefully he takes another big step but the fact is that even with all the flaws he he's had and all the things he he hasn't mastered yet he's still a problem for opponents to deal with and that's an impact unto itself. So, I mean, you know, healthy leaving, leaving the season is always good and, and hopefully getting bigger and brighter and having an off season to not only work on himself, but have know who the quarterback's going to be obviously, and be able to just co- sort of get more comfortable with them. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's one thing, if you're going to sit down with David and say, you know, route running and be, but at this point it's, it, it's almost, you know, ticky tacky pointing out stuff he needs to work on. Could he get better with his routes? Absolutely. But like your third and seven, you know, uh, you, you saw today a couple of balls that, uh, you know, Philly threw to Dallas Goddard. You know, when you've got that mismatched guy, even if there's somebody on him, I mean, look, if there's a five foot 11 defensive back on him, you just throw it at his head. There's nothing the defensive back's going to be able to do. And, you know, we saw some of this. And obviously, you know, there were a couple of plays later on in the year where David made huge plays to close out the game. Uh, look, I mean, Cincinnati already understands that they got a monster they're going to have to deal with over the next few years. Uh, but, you know, all signs forward. I, you know, I, if David's smart, I know he does spend a lot of time down in Florida. You know, a lot of great guys to work out with there. Uh, find some time. Make make sure you're going to schedule in some workouts with Baker. Run some routes there. Seek out an Antonio Gates or, you know, a couple of these elite tight ends through NFL history. Spend a couple days with them. You know, pick up some you know tips on route running. Anything you can just to protect your craft, uh, you know. Whether or not you'd ever see a thousand yard tight end, I don't know because I don't know if anybody's ever going to eat like that with Baker, and it may be fine. But you could talk about a guy who could easily, you know, and conceivably have 10 receiving tight ends as you go into 2019. Um, this is a bet, Pete, here if nobody in the world would have taken. Darren Fell scores three touchdowns in 2018. Not a man in the world would have put a wager on that one. But look, I mean, nice year, and you know, it's funny because you see him sometime next to Hubbard. Uh, we saw him a lot next to Desmond Harrison kind of scratched your head and who wondered who actually the offensive tackle was and who the tight end was. But, I mean, all well and told, I mean, the fact that you had anything receiving at him, it was a strictly a bonus. But, you know, for what he makes, and you need this guy because there's times where you're just going to want to you know, play a little smash-mouth football, and that's where Darren Fells comes in. And, you know, obviously something you're going to look to do at times with Nick Chubb. Just a nice guy to have around for the money he's making. Right, so... They came out of uh, last last year. Uh, Randall Telford retired. Is a capable uh, blocker, but you know they wanted more out of that position, and and he had some issues with injuries. Um, so they they got you know they they went bigger. They got a guy who's basically an offensive a small offensive tackle in terms of weight. Anyway, he has the, all the height, the length you want for that position. And then just by the nature of Baker Mayfield being Baker Mayfield, if you get open, he's going to find you the ball. Uh, and, and you know, against the Oakland Raiders, he's sitting there running down the field with the ball in his hands, which nobody saw coming. And then you get in situations where where a guy just makes a play like he did against the Bengals where he's squeezing squeezing one in the, the uh, tiptoe in the end zone, which is, you know, not what you expect to happen, but that's 
where guys just step up and make plays. So, you know, he caught 10 balls out of 11 targets this year, had three touchdowns, and, and, and you know, none of those things are eye-popping, uh, you know, uh, unto themselves. But when you get a second tight end who's largely there to block and that type of stuff, when you get those little – Little little tastes, little uh, little add-ons that that uh, give you something that then you you sort of become just a really nice uh, player that uh, just seems like they always get it done because when they get the ball in their hands they do and and you're not gonna draw up plays uh, I wouldn't think anyway <laughs> to uh, Darren Fells but but <coughs> when the ball goes his way you're not disappointed that's you know in that sense that's been as good of a signing as they've had in terms of basically getting everything they wanted and a little more out of them than maybe they expected. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, Fells, I mean, zero issues. And the other thing is with all these weapons, there's going to be times where he's the last guy to be accounted for. And, look, if he's not going to be accounted for, there's a good chance Baker Mayfield's going to throw it to him. So to be able to show you can do something with it, you know, in the few opportunities where your number's called... And, you know, again, you uh, both Bengal games with a touchdown. You know, Pete said, obviously, you know, they racing down the deep secondary against the Oakland Raiders. Lining up with Njoku, you know, two massive freak guys just, you know, start cutting a rug in the Oakland end zone. Uh, you know, nice signing. Uh, perfect. I think he's going to play a great compliment to David as we go here into 19. Um, Seth DeValve, obviously, again, this is another one of these guys, Pete, now it's his second year in a row, kind of like Duke Johnson. Not enough usage of him. Um, we have no idea how the fullback position is going to play out next year. You know, I mean, with, uh, obviously the changes coming, there could be a more traditional fullback. Orson Charles, as far as the playing the fullback tight end, was probably better. I mean, a little bit smaller, easier for him to get lower in the blocks. Uh, give me your thoughts there on three and four, DeValve and Orson Charles. Um, well, I mean, DeValve, you know, that's going to be the big mystery. Is, is I keep saying, I just don't see him here next year. I just don't. Right, and if they get. Uh... You know, if they get a, a nice player that can beat him out, you know, then, then that's what's going to happen. Or you keep four. Uh, you know, when he gets the ball, good things seem to happen. And, and and he did fill in there as a fullback. Certainly that's an unnatural fit for him, but he, he went in there and did it. Um, Orson Charles, uh, as much of as he was the fullback, and, and personally I, I think Dan Vitale is a better fullback, I think Orson Charles, you know, brought something – um, in terms of his, basically, when he gets on the field, he's he's nothing short of psychotic. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he guy probably pounds about four Red Bulls in between. You know, in between, you know, when they go with the opening kickoffs playing, he's pounding four Red Bulls. The guy is highly, highly intense to say the least. But he, you know, he does it with a purpose, and that he he's basically doing it with the mindset of, look, you know, we got to get these guys going, got to get them pumped up. So I mean, it's not just. You know, it's not just when he's trying to fight Vontez perfect. God knows why anyone would want to do that. Uh, but it is trying to get the other guys constantly, you know, in the right mindset, get them ready to go, which which has some value. Um, I don't know that he's going to be back without Hugh Jackson and company. Uh, you know, certainly he, he, he becomes an option. Certainly there's familiarity there. Uh, but it, it's – a position that they could easily go out and try to get something else or just scrap it entirely, uh, depending on who they hire as the head coach. Uh, I mean, they could go get uh, Baker Mayfield's old fullback uh, from Oklahoma who had some chemistry there. I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I, I Personally, myself, I'm always a fan of trying to get one of those 
uh, a bigger true running back and, and let them grow into, you know, buying into that sort of basically what Roger Craig was supposed to be. Um, but, uh, and Marcus Allen too, but uh, they, they could go a lot of different ways and, and try to get something that gives them that lead blocker. But you do start to wonder if, uh, with that type of player, if they can't produce in the passing game, which which is why I like Vitali, does it really make sense to really have them on the field too exactly. much? Given that you've got Baker Mayfield and he's somebody who's going to just be able to spread the ball around, and, and in that case, you're just better off with with tight ends. Now, granted, obviously, tight end could easily become an H back, but as far as a true, you know, uh, take on the boss block type, they 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 may not really feel that's terribly necessary yeah i mean you know there's a lot there that's going to obviously how that plays out um but look uh you know like we were saying first glance uh, at the tight end position i mean you're like 10 11 deep of guys that can actually play so you know good chance if they draft one i wouldn't be stunned would not be stunned at all because it's it's you know it's a position of the haves and there's a bunch of them so why not dip in again and, you know, look, I mean, you're just you know, bringing yourself in another playmaker at a young age. There's definitely time to develop because not a lot will be put on his plate. So the tight end position, guys, and we're going to continue. We, we'll, we'll do a bunch of these shows. Obviously, you know, we'll get through the offensive side of the ball first, and we'll go through the defensive side. But your tight end position, look, you know, David Njoku, arrow up. Darren Fells turned out to be a very, very nice, uh, you know, signing. Uh, Seth the valve, again, kind of, of an incomplete, which is terrible for him because I think there's more capable in him. I look at Philly tight ends. I think he could do some of what's going on there in Philly. It just doesn't ever seem that he's you know, going to get the shot here in Cleveland that we all hope he would get. And Olsen Charles, like Pete said, if it, things stay coarse and familiar, he could be a guy back. And look, you need a couple of those guys, you know, a couple of junkyard dogs later down on the roster who don't, who don't mind giving everything of their body you know, for the betterment of the team. And that's certainly something Olsen Charles did. Guys, like I said, we're brought here tonight by MyBookie.com. Um, I hope you, if you bet this weekend... Like I said, guys, I hope you took Pete's, Pete's picks. Uh, you would have gone 4-0. Um, but uh, now, as we'll get into it, um, what about my bookie I like? Look, guys, I'm not going to recommend somebody to you that I wouldn't use myself that's been good to me in the past. If I do bet, I use mybookie.com. Uh, who you're betting your money with is almost as important as who you're betting your money on. Uh, they have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie.com is currently slammed with new members and new bettors. Look, a lot of people with a smaller scale in the playoffs, they like to jump on in there. Register after 7 p.m. Eastern. Create your count after 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, use the promo code LOCKDOWN25. Get a free $25. Uh, go ahead and bet off. You know, you have the same schedule next week, obviously, You know, with uh, you know two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. So go ahead. Uh, visit MyBookie online today. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. MyBookie. MyBookie.com. You play. You win. You get paid. Now, Pete, I guess we'll take this game by game. Uh, so we'll start with the early one yesterday. Uh, look, I mean, we talked about this when we when the Browns went down to Texas, uh, went down to Houston. We weren't sure how good Houston was, and look, there was another game yesterday where just like when we went down there, for all these big name defensive pass rushers for the Houston Texans, these guys should not just I mean, these guys should be destroying games, and it didn't happen when we went down there. It didn't happen yesterday, and Andrew Andrew Luck, the Colts, they pretty much just had their way. So one of the big problems the Col- the uh, Texans have is they don't make J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney and, and those guys stay in specified gaps. 
So a lot of the time you see them do basically whatever they want and they get these huge running lanes as a result. And the Colts have these two very talented guard guards there. Obviously, Quentin Nelson uh, had an outstanding game. And then they got the other the other rookie kid from Auburn uh, and Ryan Kelly, who's a, a capable tackle or a capable center. And and they and it worked out. So not only were they opening these lanes, but the way the Colts defense or the Texans defense was trying to fill was like creating these natural levels. So the tailback in this case, Marlon Mack, could basically just take on one guy at a time and slowly work his way. But you know when the Texans get pressure, everything looks great. But when you know you've got you know one D end flying outside or going inside and nobody's covering a gap there. There's nothing but real estate, and and that really bit them because the Colts uh, have enough up front where they could at least uh, redirect some of those. You know, J.J. Watt made some plays. Jadevian Clowney made some plays. Whitney Merciland made some plays. But on the whole, they were basically just able to sort of manipulate where the disruption was going to come from and take huge advantage. And the other part of that is Andrew Luck is just really freaking good uh, and and I think for people who who sort of hadn't had a chance to really watch the Colts, did, haven't realized just how back Andrew Luck is. You you sort of remember that it's not that he's Baker Mayfield, but he he can do some of those things. And oh yeah, he's six five two, basically two fifty doing it. Uh, and it it just creates a ton of problems. The the Texans secondary uh, has some issues, especially when Justin Reed went down. Uh, it, it just doesn't all work together. The, the Houston Texans defense is the classic team that will have a bunch of guys in the Pro Bowl, and you'll wonder what, how they can't uh, get it done uh, in the playoff game. And it comes down to the fact that not everybody's doing the same thing on on any given play. Yeah, I mean, it was just, and not much there. And look, I mean, you know, New Hopkins as great as he is. He can't do everything himself. Look, I understand Will Fuller wasn't there. I understand, uh, you know, the, the trade they made, obviously, you know, for Demarius Thomas. Obviously, you know, he wasn't there. But still, and and one of the things, Pete, we got to that week, too, is, you know, Deshaun Watson. I mean, I don't want to say it this way or make it sound like this, but there almost might, there, there, there might be a timer on Deshaun Watson. Still, takes this way too many hits. And because of the fact he gets himself in a position where he takes too many hits, gets himself a little rattled some areas where there isn't pressure, but because he's used to taking so many hits, he thinks there is. Right. There's a lot of problems with Deshaun Watson right now, not the least of which his offensive line is a, is, is a crime. Uh, they cannot block. Uh, it seemed at times that, that, that the offensive line was basically saying please instead of actually getting in the way, especially that right tackle who was getting tossed around the entire game. But – Yes, part of it is seeing ghosts. Part of it is, is he's he doesn't give himself space. So what I mean by that is, this is why I, I talk about how important the interior is for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. There were times where like there was pressure in in into the where where Deshaun Watson wanted to to throw from, and rather than sort of backing out and giving himself space to make a better throw, he just sort of accept it, throw with terrible mechanics. And and the ball would 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 uh, drift off, which is what happened on that fourth down play, uh, where he missed uh, what should have been a touchdown. I, I don't think it was a great play call. I don't think it would have been an easy play, 
but he missed horribly. The other part of this is the Colts were able to keep him in the pocket, and the you know for all the people who gave me and still give me crap about saying that Deshaun Watson's arm and the 49 miles per hour on the gun weren't a problem, they were a problem against the Colts. Multiple balls that he tried to throw deep just hung up there forever, and it was just like punts. And, you know, there were just too many plays where the ball just didn't get where it needed to be fast enough, and he's really got to make sure he always has his lower body and his throws or he ends up with too many of these passes. And if he's not taking the space and he's not executing proper mechanics, then you have what happened yesterday where at the end of the game, Deshaun Watson as a throwing a throwing threat was done. It was all legs. They couldn't throw the ball anymore, and that's the fear. And, and to contrast to where the Browns are, uh, that never came up. You've never seen a situation where you're sitting there go, well, Baker Mayfield just can't throw. And in multiple of these playoff games and in and, and some regular season as well, you're sitting there going Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson, and at times Mitchell Trubisky, they can't throw. If their legs aren't there, they're completely shut down. That's something that's got to at least have something fire off in your head going, uh-oh. We, you know, and, and they've got the offseason to deal with this stuff, and they've got time to get better. They're all young quarterbacks. But to your point about the clock, if these things aren't addressed, then you're just going to have to keep living on this offense where these guys just continue to get beat up. And the guy who's actually shown the most damage from it, other than Deshaun Watson's knee, is Trubisky, who keeps coming up limp uh, in these games. And he obviously played through it. It didn't hold him back today. But one of these times, these guys aren't going to hobble off. They're just going to stay down, and then you're completely screwed. Um, now, uh, Colts defensive coordinator, uh, obviously, uh, Iberflus gave himself a nice showing yesterday to roll into his interview today. Um, for me, personally, if, you know, cover two is one thing he really, really likes to do, I'm not sure I see the fit. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I see the fit here, but, I mean, you gotta like what he did. I mean, he took two, he's taken two former DNs, put them both inside, um, you know, and with Hunt, uh, you know, obviously, it's six foot eight. He doesn't have to get home because even if he just even gets the slightest bit of penetration and even the fourth down throw where you're talking about, they actually dropped him. And look, he didn't do much, but if you're a quarterback and you know, you're know you keying on your main option and there's a guy six foot eight, 295 pounds standing there just with his arms out wide, he does create a bit of a presence. I mean, it's, it's difficult to get the ball around him, but I think the game plan and what he brought yesterday down to Houston was fantastic. I mean, that cold defense looked fantastic. Pierre Desser... Uh, feisty getting into it probably should have had two picks but a nice effort all around yeah no question uh, i do think to, you know deandre hopkins was a little gimpy uh certainly not 100 percent, but Desir gave him everything he had and, and deserves credit for how he played i mean the biggest thing you can say for eberfluss he needs a nickname in the yeah, worst yeah way. that's not gonna work here uh i i give him credit in the fact that the Colts don't have a ton of talent on defense. They, you know, they've got a lot of former teams cast off. Hell, they got they had three Browns last year. They've still got two Browns majorly contributing this year uh, in 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 Desir and, and Jabal Sheard. Um, but he's getting a lot out of not a lot, and that there's something to be said for that, regardless of scheme. I don't love cover two. Uh, certainly Booger McFarland was all about it. I mean, I understand he played it, but my God. Uh, and 
you know, there is a question of fit. You know, the biggest thing you ask with these guys is, are you so married to the system that wherever, wherever you have to go, this is what you do? The answer with that type of thing is hopefully not. Although, not, not you know, not to rule it out entirely, Joe Schobert would be a hell of a cover two middle linebacker. Um, but you know, you hopefully a in the guy same, like, but in the same respect, Jabril Peppers, that yes, becomes an yes. that becomes an issue. So there's sure. a checker on a checker. Yeah. So you you hope a guy like that, if he's the right guy, it's because he he's first. Hopefully, he had like a. A, a handkerchief or something to wipe his mouth when he was thinking about the Browns defense uh, compared to what he's been working with, that he's sitting there thinking that he doesn't have to do it one way, that he can look yes. at these guys and go, wow, I got, you know, there's a whole lot of things I could do with this. Um, the other thing I like about Eberflus is I like the fact that, and I don't know much of anything about him. I just like the fact that the Browns are not, getting into this trap of going, well, we've got to find the next Sean McVay. So that means it has to be an offensive guy. When the two most accomplished coaches in football right now both came from the defensive side of the ball, one being Bill Belichick and the other being Nick Saban, it's not about what side of the ball a guy's com- guy comes from. It's how good are they at it as a head coach. And if Eberflus is the right head coach, great. Even if that means they don't keep Freddie Kitchens, that's not the end of the world. Now, certainly it would be better if, you know, Eberflus, they go, we love this guy. Freddie Kitchens is like, I love this guy. Eberflus, I love Freddie Kitchens. And you go, oh, this works out great and everybody can be happy with it. But um, I, I, I do like the fact that they're not reducing the field so much that it's like, well, we have to get this one stupid thing because everybody says you have to do it this way. Uh, and, and I look no, no further than a guy like John Harbaugh, uh, who I, I don't want for the Browns or anything, but I'd certainly like him out of the division because he, he does do a great job with with uh, some of the things he does. And he's a special teams guy, and, and you saw that today in the Ravens game, multiple big-time special teams play. It's about finding the right coach. I don't know who it is, but that's the only mission here. Well, yeah, I mean, just just get it right. And, you know, a lot of it is, I mean, you know, everybody says, oh, it's got to be an offensive guy. Maybe it doesn't have to be if your best player is your quarterback already. So, I mean, there's that, you know, yin and the yang to it. And look, as, as the weeks went on, you saw in some of these games, the, dish, the D is what kind of you needed a little more out of or you were hoping a little bit more out of. So there's definitely, you know, a theory that way. Uh, we'll shift it over to Seattle and Dallas. <laughs> what was Seattle doing? <laughs> Seriously, what in the hell? I mean, I, it, it's, like, it almost seemed like they were going with what I had said about the game. This seemed like one where Russell Wilson will find a way to win it late. So it almost seemed like Seattle said, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to run the ball, it's not going to work, and then we'll get ourselves to the last five minutes of the game, and hopefully Russell Wilson will find a way to win it then. Yeah, like... I understand. I saw the, the the tweet from Jim Nagy, who runs who's running the Senior Bowl now, about you know credit to to Brian Schottenheimer for restoring the you know the identity of the Seattle Seahawks. And I know it didn't work in this game, but you give him credit for that. And my thought process that why the hell would you sit there and lose to just establish yourself in the, the playoffs? Like the the game plan they had to me felt like they had Mitch Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, J- Jackson at quarterback, and not a guy who's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Like they, It was weird watching them coach the game like they were afraid uh, that, uh, that Russell Wilson was going to lose it. 
when he was the one guy that really had a chance to win it. And certainly I understand balance. Like I, I'm not saying you have to not run the ball, but to the point where you're like taking the ball out of your, your biggest playmaker's hands just made no sense to me and, and really helped Dallas because they kept putting themselves in these obvious uh, passing situations, and that's exactly what Dallas wanted. You saw these bunch of edge rushers flying off, off, uh, off, and, and trying to get after Russell Wilson. It just, it, it just did not work in any sense of the word. Uh, I, I just way too conservative. I, I think a couple teams in this playoff so far uh, on offense looked like they were coaching scared, and I think Seattle was a big, big example of one of them. Well, I mean, it seemed like every time Seattle got the ball, you know, you sneezed, you took a sip from your drink, and it was third and seven. It was it was the monotony of it. And look, there were yards to be had. Obviously, you know, Lockett went you know, 120, 130, whatever he did. But, I mean, just absolutely terribly, terribly coached on their part. And, you know, and look, this is something we've talked about a lot. You know, whether it's, you know, the Taysom Hill experience down in New Orleans. Or, look, if you've got a top 10 quarterback, win or lose, based on what your top 10 quarterback did. Not because you ran for 73 yards on 24 carries. It's just stupid. And look, I mean, what did you see today? You saw teams who did win games doing whatever they could to find a way to win the game. So, I mean, look, ride the hot hand. Ride your good players. Uh, Dallas, look, uh, they've really picked up some momentum with um, Amari Cooper there. You've given him a true number one. Ezekiel Elliott just, I mean, week in, week out, bowling ball, you know, 125, 150 total yards. Dak Prescott, I do believe, you know, look, it's going to come to the end of the line next year. Dak Prescott, I'm not a huge guy. But, you know, getting better with at least a true a true guy to feature on the outside where he can loosen things up so Ezekiel can go do his thing. But, you know, a game that they, you know, I think they played well enough to win, but it, 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 not if it was Seattle playing the way Seattle should have played. I can't imagine what it's like being a fan of a team and depending on Dak Prescott because <laughs> at times he will make some of the dumbest decisions and you're sitting there going, what the hell is he looking at? And then he'll turn around and make like this great end zone fade to Michael Gallup. And you're like, why can't he do this all? Like it's, it's, it's gotta be an incredible roller coaster with him because he's not a bad quarterback, but he's clearly not a good quarterback. It, it's sort of like the Andy Dalton type experience where you're sitting there going, this is awful, and it worked, but I, I, we can't keep doing this, and, and yet they're going to play on, and, and it may work out for them. Um, you know, the, 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 it, it helps that the Cowboys have playmakers all over the field. They, they have a guy like Dak Prescott who is – I think he, I think he – takes too many hits, but I do like what he can do as a running threat. I just wish he would protect himself better. Uh, like there's a, the amount of times that guy tries to like somersault at the end zone. Um, I wish he wouldn't do, but at the same time, you love the way he, he wants to win and those type of things, but you have that. Then you have a guy like Zeke. Then you have a guy like Amari Cooper. You've just got a lot of avenues where a guy can, potentially break a game open you know michael gallup coming into his own in the playoffs is certainly big i mean he's a rookie and he's making big plays um defensively they have you know they've got a really nice front seven uh i think cheeto Wuzier is coming on strong uh and and certainly he was tested against the seahawks and i think he came up pretty well uh they i don't think dallas can go 
very far, but they do seem like a team that's just got enough things to cobble together where they're they can be a problem to every team every week because there's just they're they're not as one dimensional as some of these other teams, and they can at least threaten you in a few different ways. And I'll tell you right now, watching these two linebackers run around all day long, it, it's fun to watch. Uh, first things first, it, it's great for Jalen Smith, all that he's been through, and Leighton Vander Esch, you know. You know, some people missed on him, whatever. But I, I had no idea that the athleticism was going to translate, translate like it is. Because he's a big dude, and he goes sideline to sideline like it, like it's nobody's business. It felt like, and talking about coaching scared, I think that those two were the reason. I think they were terrified of letting those two guys sort of get to and hit Russell Wilson, not trusting the quarterback enough. And, and Jalen Smith... Uh, a lot of times spying uh, Russell Wilson. But I, I do think those two were a major reason why the, the, the Seahawks were so uh, unwilling to sort of really open it up and they sort of let these things happen and, and let, let the other team take control. Yeah, it was a tough one. And, and you know, look, I mean, Seattle, look, you, you just – but you can't go – you can't go home – and say, oh, man, it, it, we lost a playoff game because we tried to run the ball. And look, I mean, we all know what Russell Wilson's done in the playoffs. We've seen this year in, year out. We've seen it in Super Bowl runs. The guy's perfect mix of, you know, being able to throw the ball, being able to move around the pocket if he needs to. He, he's got the capability of running for 75 yards. He's able to move around the pocket to create, you know, windows or get guys open. Just poor, poor uh, on their part. Uh, we'll swift it over here today. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Locked on NFL Podcast, Matt Williamson. Matt does a fantastic job over there. Uh, you get a little bit shi- a little bit of shift here in his schedule as we start to go to the off season, but still with playoffs going on, you'll have uh, locked on hosts. Uh, you know, obviously from you know the playoff teams and the playoff winners. Beyond match Monday show with him, you'll get picks from Matt on Friday. The Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. If it's not in the rotation, guys, go ahead, subscribe, download, listen to the shows. Matt does a great job. Now we head on down to Baltimore today. Now, Pete, this one up until the end is pretty much kind of what. Both of us thought. I thought it was a big mistake for Baltimore to have to face this team again so quickly. Uh, Gus Bradley, and you know, look, he did take some of the ideas. You know, what the Browns did in the second half last week, but man, when he just took (laughs) three of his best defensive backs and said, "Hey guys, you're the linebackers this week," and it started early. Derwin James got in Lamar Jackson's face early on on a hit. It started early. And, you know, look, A number one, first is first. Lamar Jackson needs to take better care of the football. This was something we talked about with some of these quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson needs to do this. The ball is too low. It needs to be up closer to his ear hole, not where it's at. That's something he's going to have to put significant work into. Um, But like I said before we recorded here, Pete, Lamar Jackson basically just started, I guess it was seven or eight games. But it's almost like he didn't play because he's not getting to be an NFL quarterback in Baltimore. Right, I, I give City or the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, a ton of credit uh, for for the plan they came up with. I, I don't doubt in the least that uh, getting to see the Browns play last week was helpful. Uh, in addition to the fact that they already played them, but uh, it's certainly why you have uh, the DBs you have. Uh, you know, you have a safety that size who can run around. He gives you a lot of options, uh, and, and certainly that was a good one to take. Uh, and, and they took that 
part of the game away from them and and having you know melvin ingram who was absolutely dominant in this one it was uh, it was great him just going five yards off the line of scrimmage and basically just getting up there right before the snap and picking his hole and saying all right you know like we always say find the turd that's kind of what he did uh all right you're my bitch this play well the other part of that 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 does is 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 it makes it you know, a little more difficult for the linemen to sort of figure yep. out who they're supposed to get, which I'm sure was part of that. And, and uh, you know, with the Browns, you saw so many guys pulling that that can sort of change those things because they're making line calls and those types of things. Those things can get, you know, confused and whatever, but they get a ton of credit. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I, it just, it frustrates me from the standpoint that he, it, I agree, it just doesn't feel like he's much, if any, better for his that much experience um he has to learn how to have a one consistent set of mechanics because it seems like he's right, got about three or four of them if he throws a ball short kind of looks like a second baseman you know trying to turn a double play if it's a quick play you know you get a quick i mean you, you saw a couple of chili peppers that he threw today or there's times where he's actually able to set himself and throw a good ball and he's he is capable of that but you know perfection of the the mechanism is something he's going to have to work on but yeah, I mean, he, he goes from throw, throwing like just looks like he's throwing darts, flicking his wrist, and then he goes and makes you know bigger throws where it can look better. Um, and then obviously he's that windmill shit's got to go because on the last play of the game, the a major reason that ball came out is because the first thing Lamar Jackson had to do before throw it was drop it down and go all the way around, and the ball was out before he had a chance to get up there. And those are things that have to be cleaned up, and those. You don't do that in a season. That takes thousands and thousands of reps, and that takes an entire offseason, may take multiple offseasons. That's the stuff that Tebow never fixed, and those are the issues that you've got to fix uh, with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I give him credit. He does have better arm strength, though. Well, yes. I mean, there's no question of that. I mean, he's just (laughs) a freak in terms of physical ability. Uh, There's no question there's talent there, but – if it doesn't get fixed, you're going to see more of this. And obviously the 15 fumbles, I mean, he only lost five. I mean, that's, that's those are, plank- those, Yeah, but that's, I mean, that, that, that's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about this all the time. Fumbles are a gamble anyway. So next year it could be 15 and he could lose 12. Yes, I mean, that's, you're playing with fire every time you put the ball on the, on the ground. And even when they got the ball back today, it came with, you know, loss of 15 yards. I mean, you might as well punt it at that point because the Ravens are not, a team that's throwing it. I mean, I give Lamar Jackson credit for staying in it and battling at the end. I, I do think the Chargers loosened up a little bit and gave him some options. But look, he, he gave he got opportunities and he made it a close game. They had a chance to win it. Uh, but there's just so much that has to be done there, and I, and I don't think they have to abandon everything that they have put in with him with with this running stuff. But I do think they just have to do it smarter. Uh, and and there are times where he does it right. He goes out of bounds, but there are also times where you see him by the sideline. He puts his shoulder yep. down. You sit there, go, "What are you doing? Just get, yep. just go. You could have had it for free." So it's it's there's there's a lot to like about him, but you have to understand that they've got to make this commitment. And and part of this is is and this becomes a, a matter of Lamar Jackson disciplining himself and the team being disciplined with him and themselves. And not going well. It's not getting fixed. We're just going to do this again. They've got to really commit to those fixes, and then have that little bit of a running threat to keep that eleven on eleven threat that 
become such a problem for teams uh, to defend because if you cannot throw, you're going to have more situations like this. And, you know, like it happened with Ronnie Brown and and the Miami Dolphins and that Wildcat stuff, you're going to have an entire offseason for teams to study Lamar Jackson, study the Ravens, study Buffalo, study Josh Allen, and they're not going to have the same success they did. It tends to be very short-term. Uh, but teams get better at it, especially if you're going to see that team twice a year like the Browns, Steelers, and Bengals are, and they're going to have to prepare for it. So the, the the Ravens have to find a way to sort of adjust to the adjustment. Yeah, and look, I mean, if that means somehow some now, next year we finally get our wish and Derek Kindred and Jabril Peppers get to play a little linebacker maybe against Baltimore, that's fine. Um, but even you know, like you were saying, you know, there's times where he'll run the ball effectively and smartly, but there's times where he could get down after seven or eight yards. But he doesn't. He goes for the 12 or the 13, and the next thing you know, there's a safety wrenching on his neck because he didn't slide. So, you know, those hits are going to add up, and, and there's no there's no disguising this. He's not a thick dude. I mean, he's a thin, thin guy. And, yeah, maybe he can put on some weight. But like we talk about with Des Harrison and his body shape, I don't see Lamar Jackson ever getting going to be a thick, thick, muscular dude. He just it doesn't it doesn't look like he's got the body frame for it. Right, and and it's not like he can go the other way, which is do what Ben Roethlisberger did and just add you know thirty pounds fat. of fat. Um, he, he he you know he's a guy who's probably going to be you know at most add something like five pounds in an off season. I mean, there's just he's never going to be a guy if you want him to be the dynamic runner he is. You can't expect him to maintain that athleticism and try to put like 15 pounds on him. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Now, maybe there's a happy medium there, but I, I think the the Ravens are going to want him to be that super dynamic athlete, but just add in the other parts where instead of maybe they, maybe they do some run stuff, but really what they want to have happen is they send a bunch of guys out wide. The, you know, team's caught sleeping, not accounting for him. And Lamar Jackson takes off for 30 yards and a touchdown, that type of thing. Not, rely not saying this is our offense this is how we're going to beat you and having him take basically the second most carries out of anyone in the league for the nine games he was in well and the other thing is it's not sustainable there's just no way and what are you going to do you're going to find out and you're going to go find another quarterback who maybe runs a sub 4-4 like Lamar Jackson so if he does get hurt and misses time you have another guy who can run that offense if you um, want to commit to it, I'm all for it. <coughs> you can sign Tyrod, you can keep RG3, and you can freaking go. But I, I've yet to see a team actually do it. I wish they would have. Buffalo had a chance to do it the one time where they had uh, Tyrod. They could have signed, like, Vic. And Logan they had, uh, And they had, yeah, they had they had Logan Thomas and just said, this is who we're going to be, and if a guy gets dinged up, we'll put in another guy. But, you know, that has yet to happen, and – and certainly teams don't want to do it from a marketing standpoint, but if that's who you want to be, you've got to be prepared for it because you can't do that and then have your backup in, in, in you know, the case of this be, you know, Joe Flacco and you go in and now you're running a completely different offense. Yeah, and this is, you know, kind of how you end up with guys like Josh Johnson playing, you know, meaningful time in weeks 15, 16, 17 for an NFL franchise. We go to the final game here today. Eagles, Bears, um, now, I'll be honest, guys. Uh, the first half of this game, the most exciting thing uh, from that game for me was the uh, pot of chicken noodle soup my wife made. Um, game got boring. I even I, I said, I messaged Pete. I'm like, this game sucks. And then right all, all of a sudden, right about that, at that point, 
is when it started to pick up. Uh, you know, Foles started you know to complete the ball to his own teammates. Um, Mitchell Trubisky was able to make some plays. Allen Robinson had a monster game. Uh, it, nice to see him coming back from you know the knee injury. Um, then it got to a game, but oh my God, what did the ending? Just absolutely terrible. Um, you know, for the Bears, you know maybe you know some did say maybe they were a year away. You could possibly see that case. Uh, but interesting, it all went down. Um, you know, tight late in the game for me. I would have taken that two point play a little bit more seriously if I was the Bears. Uh, I, you know, I don't need to see Khalil Mack coming out on the field. I mean, this is a home playoff game. You needed those two points. Uh, whatever didn't work out that way. Be that as it may, but for me, I, I probably would have taken that two point play a little more seriously. Yeah, I enjoyed the first half. I, you know, I thought the defenses were playing outstanding football. It's just a shame that neither team had a quarterback, and that's really what it was. I mean, both quarterbacks were just awful for the most part. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky tried on no less than three times to give the game away. The Eagles just were too honorable to, to, to go ahead and steal it that way. They felt like they had to earn it the much more complicated way, but balls kept bouncing off DB's hands. Trubisky making some terrible decisions. Um, and then he goes down. He's sort of gimpy. I mean, he came back and played well. And, and you know, I give Matt Nagy a ton of credit. I think he's been covering up for some of the warts that uh, Trubisky has in his lack of experience. Uh, they really don't throw left very often. And yet... Arifa Sam uh, was on to something with that one. <laughs> and, and yet... You know, they find a way to be dynamic enough and problematic enough where they can make plays. And and honestly, I felt like the Eagles were playing, you know, stupid defense towards the end. I, I thought Avante Maddox, who's, uh, who I really like as a player, just kept falling for the same stupid thing over yep. and over again. And, it, like, there was no adjustment there. So um, it was a frustrating game uh, because I, I, I think both defenses are tremendous. Um you know, you never want to see the game come down to a kicker like that, uh, which is why don't do it. Uh, don't put the game in the hands of a, or the foot of a kicker. Uh, but, I, you know, and I also felt like, you know, especially on that last drive, the, the one little hitch they threw, they should have just dirted and got out of it because they wasted way too much clock. Uh but, I mean, you know, this is what happens. You, you're betting on a 43-yard field goal to to win a game. You know, it's it just – I mean, I, I understand where, like, uh, Bears fans are obviously going to be, you know, you know, forlorn over this loss. Uh, certainly have many opportunities to, to, to have, have won it. But I also feel like the Eagles – shouldn't have been that close i mean they had any number of opportunities to win uh including that one interception from nick Foles. it was just a gift uh rolling out to his right and yeah. and he threw them threw a punt where his receiver was the last guy who would have had a chance at it there were two b two dbs and it like really ended up being three dbs before he went out of bounds uh with the ball um the catch Fumble strip thing is going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm genuinely amazed that nobody went and grabbed the football. Uh, that's one of those where, like, you'd think at this point teams would be so programmed to not assume that they would have done that. But, you know, it was a hell of a play. I thought the kid was going to, like, have his arm dislocated or break break it uh, when he yanked that ball out. But, you know, that was obviously a big play. Um, but, you know, it just – today in general – uh, some talent, some talent on the field, but it just felt like quarterback play was just killing everybody. And and you know, 
back to the Chargers and stuff, I felt like they were coaching scared. I felt like they didn't trust Phillip Rivers enough in yep. that one, and and you, they just kept pounding the ball into a brick wall for some reason, and and people were calling it good defense. It just felt like a lot of bad offense in that case. But this is you know this is sort of what can happen in the playoffs. So uh, now you, now you move on to the next round. I think the the next set of games will be better. Uh, we'll, I'll be curious to see if Philadelphia has anything left after this one. Uh, very draining game, both physically and emotionally. So, you know, that, that, that could be fun, but I mean, it, it's, it's, it was a better weekend of football than it could have been. I wish the games were closer for more of them, but I think teams fought back in them after some early death, uh, after some early, uh, deficits to get back into them and, and, and made them, more interesting, but you know there there was definitely some 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 lack there. Yeah, no, definitely you know left you for wanting more. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we're going to get Kansas City next week. We're going to get New England back. You're going to get New Orleans. You're going to get the Rams. So you know, business about to pick up next weekend. Um, you know, before we put a bow on this, guys, uh, everybody for Tyrell Williams and everybody, oh, sign him. You can give him the ten million. Playoff game today. Two receptions, nine yards on four targets, guys. I'm out on Tyro Williams. I honestly probably don't even care what the money is. Tyro, Tyro Williams, just not a guy I'm on. Uh, Pete Smith, guys, obviously you're going to get a bunch of off-season work from Pete over at NFL Spin Zone. Go ahead, read along, follow along. Uh, guys, we're done. We'll let the Landry saga slide for now. We're good. We, we gave you your 15 minutes the other night. Anybody, look, guys, that was it, all right? We've, we've put it to bed. On to 19 as far as Jarvis Landry is concerned. Um, look, as we've gone here through the tight end position, we've given you, you know, uh, 14, 15 minutes of, uh, you know, the positional breakdown, where we see it, you know, possible moves that could, you know, come. Uh, we will definitely do a, you know, a tight end draft show, you know, as we get closer to it. And obviously more uh, information is obtained, and, you know, and guys that we would like in the position to possibly add. But we'll continue to do that, you know, uh, throughout the uh, month of January here with, you know, positional analysis as, you know, this. We're also going to mix in talking about the playoffs. Who we can Everybody's still watching football anyway, so we might as well talk about it. Uh, like I said, we got to all four of this weekend's games. Give you our thoughts there and uh, breakdowns there. Uh, so, guys, uh, follow the show with the Locked On Browns Twitter account. We always keep it a follow back. Like I said, five star iTunes rating reviews, guys. Those are always helpful to the show. Please keep them coming. Anything you want from the Locked On uh, NFL Network, check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter. Check out Locked On NFL Net on Instagram. Everything you know is funneled from you know from me or the other hosts of all the shows is funneled through those accounts. So go ahead, feel free to check those out, guys. As we always say, look, guys, it was tough watching. Uh, did miss seeing Baker and the boys here. But look, next January, we're playing games. We're not talking about other games. So that's where we're going to be with that. Um, and as we say, we put a cap on Locked On Browns. LGB on the LOB, guys. Let's go Browns.